Hello and welcome to everyone to our Hope Story Circle put on by the Peace Alliance. Welcome to Peace On, your source for inspiring conversations and information from thought leaders across the spectrum on topics related to the strategies of building peace, fostering nonviolence, and creating a world that thrives, shifting our understanding toward empathy, compassion, and connection. We welcome you this morning. My name is Terry Mason. I'm on the board of the Peace Alliance, and I'm joined to facilitate today by Liz Gannon-Graydon, who is also on our board, and Yelena Popovich, who is our Teaching Peace in Schools lead. And our special guest today is Lois Ann. Lois is a visual artist and a poet and a survivor and a thriver. And we're so delighted to have you join us, Lois. Will you say, unmute yourself and say hello? Well, good morning and, and thank you. Thank you for inviting me and thank you to everyone who's showing up today. Thank you. We look forward to hearing your story. I know you, you're going to tell us your stories. I'm not really going to ask you any specific questions right now because we're going to hear all about it. But first, if we could just hand off to Yelena and she'll lead us in a short meditation and just bring us all in together. Thank you, Terry. Welcome, Louis. So I invite you to start by just finding a way of being right now in this moment in your body, um, whatever that is for you, and perhaps inviting to really ground yourself to feel the earth beneath you. And if you feel called either to close your eyes or gaze down and just Come, just come in to, to this moment, feeling the earth. And I also invite you to feel the space, feel the space that is in front of you, around you, behind you, and above you. And just feeling your body relative to the space you inhabit in this moment. Just the vastness of the space above you. And inviting you to open to that space, allowing that spaciousness to enter this moment, to enter your body, your heart, even your breath. Just allow your breath to become spacious. you inhale and exhale. We often feel the lack of spaciousness in our life, whether that is sensed as a lack of time or limited ability to feel and give ourselves space to care for ourselves. Wherever your why is, just invitation is to 
really sense the vastness of that space around you and invite it into you. Invite it to enter your heart and your body. Allow it to enter your this moment. intentionally bringing in space for ourselves to be with it and know that this moment is constantly changing but also we can stop and pay attention to Create space for pause. Create space for silence. space for each other. Thank you all and welcome please. Thank you, Yelena. That was beautiful. And it's nice to see everyone here today, including some friends who got a special invitation. Thank you. Um, I'm someone who can easily go off on, on tangents and then kind of loop-de-loop -loop my way back on course. However, since chemo last year, I can't always find my way back. So I hope you all don't mind that I will refer to my notes to keep on track and to reel myself back in. Um, I'm a curious person, you know, always asking why, how, show me. And I'm a, you know, I'm a visual artist, a maker of things, you know, paintings, sculptures, drawings, mixed media pieces, and a writer, you know, a poet and an essayist. You know, my work is considered abstract. You know, I strive to explore a feeling or a sense of meaning in something, you know, to get deep, to get to the essence of it. And as a human being, you know, I strive to understand others and to know, you know, that wholeness in myself, you know, and my work comes, you know, from the core of that process. You know, I'm, I'm interested in, in what happens in the space, you know, between clarity and ambiguity, between intuition and, and conscious thought, um, 
those interstices, you know, are often overlooked, liminal and, and undercharted. Um, that yet, they, you know, they, they've been my focus. You know, my undergraduate studies and most of my life, you know, have been devoted to the arts, you know, teaching, working in galleries and museums, you know, as well as making things. And I've also always written. And the past decade or so, I've, I've been writing more and more due to health issues, um, living with arthritis and chronic pain for years, um, developing allergies to numerous substances, including a lot of art materials, um, having numerous surgeries, including you know, broken wrist. In the past two years, I've been dealing with two types of cancer. Um, my first cancer diagnosis was in December of, of 2018. You know, I had surgery on January 2nd of 2019. And I, I was scared, you know, my mortality was like right here. You know, I, I, could, I could stick my tongue out and, and taste it. But I've always been one to want to suck all the juice possible out of life. So I, I view my health challenges as, as adventures. You know, I, I call them medical adventures. And I think that for any kind of adventure, that part of that excitement, the enticement, is that element of the unknown, you know, the discoveries that you make along the way. And that's also for me been a, a factor in, in making art. You know, it's a it's an inquiry, you know, I, I, I start with a question. I figure if I already have the answer, then I don't need to make whatever that thing is because I already got an answer. So to get back to my story that April after, you know, my first cancer surgery, when I got my three month post-op gold star, I, I figured that I was given a gift of time. And I decided that it was an opportunity to do something that I'd always wanted to do and I knew that I was in no shape to climb Annapurna or even walk the Camino in, in Portugal. So I decided to go to graduate school to get my master of fine arts in writing. I made this decision a few days before the application deadline at the one school that I knew I wanted to go to. The program director extended the deadline, the stars lined up. I typed a path through my anxieties about all of this and about writing critical essays, which I hadn't done in decades. And I started at the Vermont College that June. I'm now in my fourth semester. And if all goes well, I'll graduate with my MFA in July, which is something of a miracle for the wrinkle in all of this is that two weeks into my second semester in January of 2020, Ovarian cancer was detected during what was to have been routine follow-up imaging after the previous year's successful liver cancer surgery. So I had another surgery, which was followed by months of chemo with brutal side effects that are still with me. And, you know, needless to say, this changed not only that semester's plan, but all of my life. You know, when I think about making decisions, you know, I, I trust my, my inner wisdom, you know, that intuition, that, that knowing, which, you know, if I go with this, I'm not always right. 
But if I go with this, I, it, it's almost 100% accurate. And so I've, you know, over the years, I've, I've just learned to trust that no matter what this says. And, um, and, and I chose to continue with school, even when leaving might have been easier and less stressful. But I innately knew that, that having that focus would help my healing. And throughout all of this, I've known that I'm on the right path. I've also had help. You know, my, my partner has been so supportive, as have, you know, friends and, and family. And I, you know, they've been encouraging and, and, you know, and have done things like make dinners, given me rides, gone grocery shopping for me, you know, things that have just made life possible to go on, you know, as smoothly as it could. Um, I've had some professional offers and, and I feel so blessed for, I kind of feel like this is all meant to be. And I'm learning a lot, you know, not only about poetry and about writing, but about life and about myself. And there are several threads that are woven through my life. Art, both the visual art and the writing as has been mentioned and learning to trust my inner knowing. Um, it's also the thread of gratitude because so many things have fallen into place over the years. And most especially, you know, the whole thing more, more recently of having both cancers detected, you know, early on, they were both stage one and, um, you know, there were a few stray cells, but nothing had really spread to other parts of my body. So I, I, I feel blessed the whole time that, you know, things have fallen into place and turned out as well as they have. And just a little side note, the last couple of weeks, I've gone for my one-year checkup with both of my oncologists, and I got two gold stars. So, yeah, so I feel really good about that. Um. And there's another thread that's been in my life, um, humor. You know, there's that expression that laughter is the best medicine. I know it's also been said that, that love is the best medicine. And I, and I think both statements are true. I think they both are so vital to um, having a, you know, a, a rich life. And that laughter is, so important, you know, you know, when we're dealing with things that are stressful, you know, like everyone on the planet right now with, with the pandemic kind of making a shroud over everything else that we're dealing with. I mean, so often humor, you know, gets set aside because, you know, this is serious stuff. I mean, life and death, how, how much more serious can you get than that? But humor can just get us through so many things. You know, it, it's, it's a release, you know, it, it brightens our moods, you know, it gets the endorphins and the serotonins and all these other good brain chemicals going to activate our nervous system, make us smile. Um, and there's, you know, and there's that physical release and I'm sure you've, you know, had, you know, a really good hearty laugh that you just feel throughout your whole body. And, it, you know, that, that can just be so valuable to, you know, help, you know, release tensions or, or other tightness in your body. Um, I remember that my dad used to say that the day he couldn't laugh would be the day that he would die. 
you know, and, and that's what happened. You know, he'd been living with a debilitating um, disease that, you know, for the last almost year of his life, he was bedridden. And, um, but he could still, he still could laugh no matter what else he couldn't do, he could still laugh. And then one morning, you know, when he woke up, he, he told my mom that um, he didn't feel like laughing. And a half hour later, he was gone. You know, so um, I'm one who tends to be pretty um, optimistic and hopeful overall. I mean, I have my moments where I can fetch, but overall I'm usually pretty, pretty hopeful. And all my life, you know, people have, you know, said I've been a, you know, Pollyanna and maybe I'm not always realistic, but, uh, you know, before my first cancer surgery, I found out that my blood type is B positive. So, so that's my personal joke, you know, it's in my DNA. I can't help this, you know? So when I'm faced with challenges, I've, I've always had the faith and the hope that things are going to turn out okay, no matter, you know, what kind of bumpies are along the way, that in the end, it's, it's, it's going to be okay and it's going to be for the best. And I think that, you know, in some ways that may have been helping me to get through a lot and, and still be able to smile at times. And then um, another thread that's been throughout, you know, my life has been um, the curiosity thread. And in particular, you know, spiritual inquiry, you know, started, you know, with my maternal grandmother teaching me about Buddhism and yoga and meditation, starting when I was seven. I mean, she was definitely a woman ahead of her times, but I, that's a story for another time. But um, I feel very fortunate about that also. And, and I'd like to share with you one of my favorite quotations. And um, it's from Lao Tzu, who was a Chinese philosopher from about you know, 2,600 years ago. And you may have heard this before. If there is to be peace in the world, there must be peace in the nations. If there is to be peace in the nations, there must be peace in the cities. If there is to be peace in the cities, there must be peace between neighbors. If there is to be peace between neighbors, there must be peace in the home. If there is to be peace in the home, there must be peace in the heart. And, and to me, this speaks to, you know, a couple of different levels. You know, there's, there's the big stuff that, you know, out in the world and, and things that we can do on a larger scale to help make the world a better place. But then there's the smaller stuff, you know, that we do every day in our own neighborhoods, you know, with or for our families and friends. And then our, you know, our, our own inner work. And, you know, that latter is where my focus is right now. I mean, there was a time when I did a lot of bigger things out in the world, you know, peace activism, the women's movement, um, civil rights, helping organize the first Earth Day, human rights work, marches, you know, and other nonviolent actions. But my energy, you know, it's not there right now. And it's partly due to 
being on my medical adventures, and also partly due to being on this aging adventure. Um, so right now my focus is on, you know, smaller things, closer to home, you know, donating to our local food pantry, sending cards to isolated friends, um, committee work for two local non small nonprofits, um, writing and putting out in the world poems of resistance and dissent. An extra thanks that I give to, you know, essential frontline workers and to medical personnel. I mean, I've always been one who has, you know, thanked the person who bags my groceries, but, you know, this past year during the pandemic, I mean, most of those guys are lucky to make minimum wage, I think, and here they are, you know, putting their lives out there every day, you know, so that the rest of us can, can eat. So I, I'm very appreciative of that. And being a student, you know, takes a lot of time and energy. You know, writing critical essays and a critical thesis while under the influence of chemo brain fog um, has been challenging to, to say the least. You know, but I've, I've done it. And, um, and right now I'm working on a creative thesis and preparing my graduate lecture. And when I have those times where it's just too foggy, it, you know, I, I do something else instead, you know, wash the dishes or go for a walk or, or something that doesn't require all that extra brain space. Um, and so as an artist, you know, I feel that my life has been pretty unconventional. And, you know, and with all of this together, you know, I have the feeling that once I'm done with school, that, that there's something else ahead, that's something I'll do, but I, I don't yet know what it is. And, um, and so here I am, you know, at 70, preparing to graduate. And um, I'm, I'm kind of in, enjoying that. And um, I, I think I'd like to just quickly close up by um, interweaving a couple of these threads together. You know, I, I, um, I studied Buddhism and, um, and there's some, to me, there's something very holy about humor. And I took vows with the Dalai Lama almost 30 years ago. And at the end of the ceremony, almost everyone had left the room, including him. And there was an altar set up that, you know, was supposed to have these little sculptures that were made out of yak butter. But we were in Montreal, so where do you get yak butter in, you know, midtown Montreal? So on the altar were arranged on these beautiful plates were these sculptures made out of butter cookies. So as I said, the room was almost empty and his holiness walks back in, you know, prayer position and stands, you know, with his back to us facing the altar. And he goes, And then he turns around, kind of this big smile on his face to see if anyone's looking, you know. And I burst out laughing. <laughs> and then so did he. You know, I mean, it's, you know, the sweetness of life, right? <laughs> so that was a very special moment. And I thank you all for being here with us today and, and for listening. Thank you. Thank you, Lois.
Yelena or Liz, would one of you like to share the inquiry before we go to the breakouts? Yelena, are you prepared with that? Sure, Liz. Yeah, I'm still laughing <laughs> at that. Uh, really sweet share. Thank you so much, Liz. Um, as I, you know, as we yesterday prepare for the call, as I'm hearing you, one thing that comes to my mind is just your openness. It's your openness and curiosity about everything, um, you know, and and your relationship with with learning, with life, with mortality, with, you know, so it's just, you know, calling uh, medical adventures and aging adventures is something that really is speaking to me. So I want to propose an inquiry that is, you know, to all of us, what is your relationship to your adventures, whatever that might be, adventures in learning, adventures in change? Um, what is your relationship with that? Um, and how do you know? Yeah. So I think that's it, Perry. Okay. So it's your relationship with learning and change. So we're going to go on a break. We're going to go into breakout rooms. We're going to pause the recording and then we'll come back. Welcome back, everyone. It's nice to see you. So the inquiry was, what is your relationship with learning and change? Who would like to share something that came out of the discussion? Feel free to unmute yourself. Or raise your hand. We'd love to hear what anyone has to share. Well, I'll share. Okay. Do you what I was going to share about Leona, and she hasn't come back yet, so I was kind of waiting. Oh, uh, oh there you are, Leona. Uh, well, I was in a lovely group of four ladies, and Leona is in her 90s, and you are so inspiring to me because she lives alone, and she does everything on her own, and she has this positivity. I was telling her, you know, just her face uh, is in the way she talks and everything it has a positivity. So I, I think all, all four ladies, all of the ladies on my call had that in common, this kind of positivity and, and, and a little bit of humor and sparkle in who they were uh, or who they are, I should say, not were, are. So I just found it to be delightful to be with, and everybody has a hard life, you know? You hear, well, everybody has a story as we're <laughs> discovering with this lovely group, you know, and, and, and how uh, poignant the story or stories are and then how people deal with them. And the positivity to me shines through. Thank you, Judy. And you know, just being in the group and talking has made me feel better. It's oh. like being part of somebody, being appreciated, being understood. It's because I live alone and I hardly, I go on Zooms with my relatives and things, but this was very nice. Thank you, Judy. And well, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. 
Who else would like to share what came up for you in the breakout rooms? I know there were rich conversations. I just I thought, yeah. Feel I there we go. Um, I, I spoke about how this is such a new, this is such a new experience for me um, in terms of, you know, relating to people through a computer. Um, it's not, you know, my mode of, of operation. And, and this whole year has been a, a way um, it's been a big learning curve for me because, you know, I'm someone that has never really liked computers and, and, and yet this time, this pandemic has really left it as the main or a main way of, of connecting to people. And, and for me, you know, I had to learn the one-on-one, -on -one, how to set up the computers for lessons. And, and it was, you know, it's just, it's, a, a challenge um, in, in all aspects for me because I'm I'm someone that is really likes to be with people, mm -hmm. and and I am with people. You know, I'm with you, but yet I'm not. You know, and and that that dichotomy is 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 challenging for me to to just grapple with every day. It's like, oh my god, you know, who am I going to see today? Oh, I'm going to go have a Zoom lesson, and it's like, okay, but you know, is that enough? And, and uh, yet, you know, I'm very lucky in my life. I mean, I have a comfortable life and, um, but it's been vastly changed by this whole pandemic. And, it, and it's nice to join this group, just to have, you know, to listen to what people have been learning and, and to share with people. So I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you, Jan. Is something coming up for anyone now, whether or not it came up in the room as you listen to one another? Yes, Elizabeth, can you unmute yourself? Yeah. Um, this is the first time I've ever done a breakout room, and I thought that was a great addition. I haven't done that on any other Zooms. I don't know how, how that happens, but thank you. You're so welcome. Yeah, it's it's a really wonderful aspect to this kind of an environment because it allows you to really be more intimate. I see Donna raising your hand. Can you unmute yourself? I just wanted to, as far as the breakout rooms go, um, one of the things I love about the breakout room, well, about this Zoom thing is because you can talk to people from all over the world. Otherwise, you're just like talking to just, you know, whoever is geographically um, close to you. So it, it's just been great for all different kinds of reasons as far as that goes. And what I love about the breakout room, as opposed to being in like a, a group, which I, I love that too, but people tend to get really clicky. You know, they kind of gravitate towards, you know, who they want to be with or who they like and that kind of thing. That's not the case with the breakout room. You're just in a room with whoever. And it's, I mean, it's kind of fun to see like, wow, who am I going to be with today? <laughs> and I have no choice in that. You know, I just, and so it makes you just kind of broaden your, um, your idea of who, 
and you talk to really interesting people that you wouldn't talk to otherwise. So, yeah, so true. Kendra, can you unmute yourself? Yeah, um, we, we talked about adventures in learning and um, and with health problems and um, all agreed that we were enjoying the opportunity to learn in, in totally different ways. And I was struck by Elizabeth um, saying that she was enjoying going to church in Maine, even though she lives in Virginia. <laughs> so that was totally new and to me. And, um, and we all ended on the important note of laughter that Lois led with, but um, it, we all agreed that um, laughter was really important in alleviating pain and, connect, and creating connection. Thank you, Kendra. Anyone else like to share? Anything coming up for you right now? Yeah, there's something I'd like to share. Um, I don't know if this happened in every group, but uh, all the people in our group, learning was definitely a part of their life. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, that was wonderful for me to hear because I know it's a part of mine, but it was interesting to hear how much it was a part of everybody else's. Mm. Thank you. And learning goes along with that thread of curiosity that Lois brought up. Continuous learning is rooted in curiosity. Lois, before we close, Carolyn, did you want to say something? Just briefly, um, there's something really sacred to me about learning also in the midst of adversity and challenges. And I find that so um, just magical and mystical that folks, you know, whomever you are, and Lois, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, because that is the time, you know, I'm a grief counselor. So that is the time people go inward and, and not want to learn anymore, not want to grow anymore because their, their body aches or they, they've faced something that's really heart, heart wrenching. But to pull yourself out of that by continuing to move forward is just so, um, so sacred and so honorable. And I appreciate Lois for sharing that. And thank you for your continued journey and much blessings and prayers to you as you continue your learning and your adventure. Thank you, Carolyn. Lois, is there any final thoughts you'd like to share before we start to close? Um, yeah, I, I would you know, just like to say thank you and Special thanks to Carolyn and um, and to everyone who shared and and to the three people I was in the breakout room with. Um, you know, I, I I felt that I'd been doing a lot of talking and 
and I was curious to hear, you know, other people's stories and, and what they had to say. And, um, you know, each of us is, is, is so different and we each have our own journey, but yet, you know, we, there are common threads. Um, you know, in our group, you know, we were, we were from coast to coast, you know, East coast to, to West coast. And, um, but yet there were these, you know, these common threads, these, these bonds that, you know, go through all of our lives. And, and, and this is something I've been thinking about in, in general, especially during the last um, few years. And especially during this last year of, you know, the pandemic that, you know, as human beings, there's ways in which we're all, we're all alike. And maybe that we have these superficial differences of um, ideology or, or, or preferences or, or different things. But when you get, when you get deeper, I mean, we're, we're more similar than we're not, I think. And so, uh, so anyways, I want to thank everyone for being here and being open and sharing and and thank you Terry and Liz and Yelena and everyone at the Peace Alliance for providing you know these these platforms these um opportunities for us so thank you thank you so much Lois thank you for being here and being our guest today and putting some links in the chat for everyone to see first it's the Peace Alliance website the Peace Alliance, their mission is to empower civic action for a culture of peace. All of these calls and our national monthly calls and other conversations are on our Peace On podcast site. So the link to that is also in the chat. Also the Blueprint for Peace is a major initiative that we've had going for nearly a year now, I think, um, to make peace and nonviolence an effective organizing principle in federal, state and local government policy. And the link to sign that petition is there. One chat, one action will get your voice heard by all of your federal officials, state and federal officials, letting them know that you support policy around our five cornerstones of peace. Also, we are a small nonprofit. We always appreciate donations of any size. So the link to donate is there. And our calendar of events link, our national um, Department of Peacebuilding call is this coming week on Wednesday. So that might be something you might want to check out. And all of our Hope Story Circles and our monthly national calls are also on the calendar and anything else that we find that might be of interest to, to our folks. So with that said, I will hand it to Liz to bring us to a close today. I really want to thank you, Lois, for your story and Yelena and Terry for holding this space always. And just quickly, I want to say, uh, I appreciated you coming to Humor. My husband, whose story some of you may have heard, spent 20 years as a stand-up comedian, including the first 15 years of our life together. So um, there really is something very powerful in healing through humor. But what came up to me, Lois, as I was listening to you tell your story today, uh, was my relationship with learning. And not this past week, but the previous week, I had been, sent an invitation through email to the Shift Network's Mystic Summit. I don't know if any of you are connected with that or saw that. And I spent 40 hours really listening to every one of the mystic conversations. But there was one that I wanted to, that reminded me of you, Lois. I had been thinking about a reverend named Michael Petro, and he said, 
a couple of things. He he was talking about sacred texts. And I love that you brought, brought Carol and brought up the word sacred, right? And he said that in any sacred text, because it's designed to help you go deeply spiritual, there are built-in impossibilities, things you can't accept at the literal level, right? He said, so we have to go from the literal to the categorical, to, to the allegorical, to the mystical. But what he said that reminded me of you, Lois, is he said, one of the main reasons to get adept at reading sacred texts is so that we can begin to understand our own life story as a sacred text. Mm. And that was such a powerful idea. And I've been playing with that idea among others all week. And when you were telling your story now, I realized when you reach those things that you can't necessarily understand or accept, you've delved into your story and said, oh, this is part of my story that lets me get to the sacred place. This is where I go in the sacred. And, and I thought that was such a beautiful example. So in closing, what I'd like to do is kind of just invite you guys to move into the next weeks before we gather or if this is the last time you're here, to start to think about how you can listen and hold your own story as a sacred text and how you might wanna think about that. And I think Lois did it so beautifully here. So thank you guys all. And, um, and I look forward to seeing and connecting with you again. Thank you so much. Everyone feel free to unmute yourself and say goodbye. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Be blessed. Thank you for joining us today at Peace On. We hope that it inspires you to engage in dialogue in your larger community. Peace On is brought to you by the Peace Alliance, found at peacealliance.org.